The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Talking Halo. This is Derek C. Apollo, all by my lonesome tonight. Getting ready for the big Boston Red Sox series. Well, big for us. Big for many reasons. Most importantly, because the Angels are once again over 500 at 42 and 41. Today, they finished off the sweep of the Orioles in outstanding, exciting fashion. They beat the Orioles 6 to 5 with Juan Lagares, the game winning double to end it. Game winning hit. Knocks in two runs, ends the game. Win six to five. What do you say? What do you say? What a wonderful performance saved by the Angels in the end. They control much the game. They had one rough inning. That was the sixth inning. Gave it all away, and then they took it back. The win goes to Rizal Iglesias. Pitches a second night in a row. It just was a good series for the Angels. Listen, there are going to be those who say, well, the Angels only beat the good teams. I've said that. I am saying only beat the, the, sorry, the, the bad teams. I've said that, and that is something that has to change. But to be 4-2-41, hanging the break, close to the break anyways, to be, they have six more games until the break comes. They have three against the Red Sox, three against the Mariners. They go on the break. They come back right away to face the Mariners again. The, the Angels can play themselves into contention. Do decent against the Red Sox. You know, the Seattle's the next team in front of them in the division. They're only five and a half games out of the wild card right now. The problem is the two teams that are in line for the wild card are Tampa Bay and Oakland, and they're both playing pretty good baseball. Oakland gave the Red Sox all they can handle, but what we're finding out is the Red Sox, man, the Red Sox are a very good team. There are a lot of people who thought they were, and we're going to talk to Jake Devereaux from OverTheMonster.com, the, the, the Red Sea podcast. And he's going to explain why on earth this team, which was not supposed to be all that good this year, suddenly we find out, yeah, they're pretty darn good. They're pretty darn good. Okay, first things first, when I head over to Apple Music, leave a five-star review. We would really appreciate that. And also, let's get a word from our sponsors in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm not going to wait any longer. Let me get Jake Devereaux on. Just let you know, we record this early Sunday morning on July 4th just because of the whole holiday of the Red Sox. This is before the Angels swept the Orioles. So, just to kind of give you an idea of, of where they are. Here we go. All right, folks. I have Jake Devereaux from OverTheMonster.com and the Red Seat Podcast. Looking to preview the Red Sox series this week. Just a programming note, we're recording this on the morning of July 4th because of the July 4th holiday, and therefore we don't know who wins today's games and what the records are, so Angels may be a game over 500 or under, and the Red Sox, well, they're just over 500 by a long shot. Jake, how you doing? I'm doing well, Derek. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. Well, we're glad to have you on, and you're, you're always pretty good about giving us some good Red Sox meat before a series. I guess coming into this series, I'm a bit stunned. Well, on our side here, we, we had previewed the Red Sox with, an, with another writer way back before the season started, and nobody, I mean, she didn't expect the Red Sox to do what they did. This is kind of what they have been doing, 20 years or 500. Did you? I mean, what, what, where did this come from? Yeah, I didn't expect this. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that, you know, the biggest thing with this team, the biggest change with this team um, versus expectations. And, and I will admit, I was more optimistic than a lot of people. Um, I had the Red Sox pegged for 86 wins this year. Um, but it's it's Alex Cora. That's really the difference this year. Um, you know, the players on the field are, are having a great year, a, a lot of them. Um, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts being all-stars on the left side of the infield, that's huge. Pitching's been much better. Um you know they're they're getting uh, resurgent seasons from JD Martinez. Um, Alex Verdugo is having a good year. Like there's a lot of guys playing well on this team, but the biggest difference is without a doubt the leadership in the clubhouse from Alex Cora and what he kind of brings to the team. Well, what has he brought in terms of leadership and, and those X factors? I think what Alex Cora brings is accountability. Um, He's got an incredible way of communicating with the players uh, and getting the best out of every individual. So I think he 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 walks this fine line today um, between holding his players accountable, but also being like a modern day um, sort of players manager uh, at the same time. And I think that that's incredibly difficult to do. I think oftentimes you see managers kind of uh, changing between those two different things, you know, either being a really good players manager 
and a little bit weaker on calling guys out, but he's somehow a combination of both. Um, and he's got that cachet. And he also, I think it's a big deal that he speaks Spanish as well as uh, being able to speak English, um, you know, being able to go seamlessly between those two. Um, you get a clubhouse that's really super unified rather than a clubhouse that, you know, doesn't really talk to each other or, you know, has has factions. Um, and, you know, he just seems to always be able to extract uh, the best performances from guys. And the other trait about Alex Cora that, you know, can be frustrating at times, but I think overall over the course of a season of 162 really plays out is uh, his patience with guys. You know, he's he's overly patient. Um, with guys working out their issues, uh, whatever those may be. And um, usually it works out. I mean, we've seen certain guys have get off to rough starts. Um, Adam Adovino got off to a rough start this year. Hirokazu Saramura got off to a rough start. Josh Taylor, I mean, we all wanted to demote him um, at the beginning of the year. All three of those guys have been tremendous uh, in the bullpen and are a reason why this is one of the best bullpens uh, in baseball this year. So I think that just that combination of patience and accountability, as well as being able to communicate with the players is really the biggest factor that I've seen. And, you know, it's, it's impossible to, um, have like a manager version of war or whatever. Um, but it feels like Alex Cora has been worth all 20 of these wins that were over 500. You know, I'm not sure that this team is special without Alex Cora. So help me understand this now, Kev, because I'm on the outside, and, I'm, and I mean no offense. When you're talking about Alex Cora and accountability, it's a bit strange considering what we see in the outside world, the, the national media, which is, hey, this guy is was part of the Astros scandal, and, and you know, what gives? You know? Right. So yeah. kind, of, kind of explain where this all meshes with him. Um. So first of all, uh, you know, I think I try and separate those two things out as much as I can in my brain. Um, did Alex Cora participate in a organized cheating scandal uh, with the Astros? Yes. And he's never denied that. Um, you know, he's been very adamant about accepting his role in that. Um, when I talk about accountability, it's not just, you know, Alex going out there every day and taking questions about that cheating scandal. He has done that actually from the jump. Um, it's really accountability as to getting the players to all figure it out. Um, and I'm, I'm going to give you an anecdotal example uh, of this. Um, so Garrett Richards, as we know, has been struggling since uh, he's not been able to use the sticky stuff. And he's been one of the most sort of impacted by this crackdown on sticky substances. And, um, you know, he'd been getting blown up his last couple starts. And um, two starts ago, uh, Alex Cora just basically told him if he didn't figure it out, he was going to wear it. And he had already given up five earned runs and three home runs to that point. Uh, and Alex basically told him, like, hey, man, you got to go out there and figure it out um, and he ended up getting, you know, another four innings out of uh, Garrett Richards, you know, not having to tax the pen because he was able to extract that compete level from from guys. And I think Garrett Richards has been so frustrated with this process that at times he's looked like he wanted to give up. Um, and so he never lets his players give up. Um, he always seems to want to figure out what buttons to press and is able to do that to get them to uh, 
to maximize their potential. So it's just, you know, if, if players have sort of a range of uh, zero to 100 percent as to what their ability level is, it feels like Alex Cora is often able to extract close to 100 percent performance from his players. So Garrett Richards, though, overall for the team has been not what you wanted to be since the whole crackdown. How, and this is actually the first time this has come, come up in one of our interviews, how the players take into these new rules. It seems kind of like, well, hey, the, the rules, it's kind of jacked up to change the rules in the middle of the season. Yeah. The only one that's been really vocal um, about the change of rules has been Garrett Richards. Um, you know, the other guys haven't really seen their spin rates affected by it too much. Um, presumably, they weren't nearly as reliant on the substances as Garrett Richards was. Uh, and all of them have had, you know, one of their better, if not their best starts of the year uh, since then. And, you know, actually everybody uh, has had their best starts of the year post the crackdown on sticky substances, except for Garrett Richards uh, in this rotation. So I think that he is definitely the outlier in terms of his reliance on that stuff. Um, and he is sort of being forced to adapt and fall in line with the other starters now. Um, and, and make those changes. And, you know, the, the changes are are there. He's made noticeable changes to his repertoire. Uh, in, in particular, he was throwing a whole bunch of change-ups uh, in yesterday's start, which, um, you know, he, he hadn't really ever uh, experimented with that pitch. Um, so he, he is doing things actively to try and make those changes. He's definitely not the same guy anymore, um, but, you know, he's he's competing, and he was able to get through five innings of competitive baseball against a good Oakland A's team yesterday. So, um, you know, I, I think he is, he is trying at this point. Okay, so right now with the Red Sox, they don't officially have two out of the three games with their starting pitcher set. Who do you expect to go in game one against Jose Suarez? Uh, it's supposed to be Martin Perez, and uh, it seems like he will get the ball uh, in that particular start. Um, he's been really solid all year, um, having a, a much improved year over what he was last year. Uh, he, he had a couple hiccup starts um, right after the crackdown on Sticky Stuff. I don't know whether he was using something you know much more mild than Spider Tech, and he had to adjust, but... You know, the the last couple starts, he's actually looked really solid. So, you know, he's he's been a, one of the better contributors this year in that rotation. And, you know, he's he's nothing but a four or a five, but he's a pretty solid four or five. What's his pitch guitar like? Um, he throws a lot of fastballs, cutters. Um, you know, he, he throws a lot of hard stuff. He has a change up as well. Um, he's an interesting pitcher. He's more of an old school pitcher in terms of being like a little bit more reliant on location and finesse. Uh, he's not overpowering, but he can get his fastball into the mid nineties. So, you know, it's not saying much in today's game. Mid nineties is sort of ho hum these days, but, um, you know, he, he relies on good location to, uh, get guys out. And, you know, he's one of the guys I actually enjoy watching most on this staff because he, He's a real thinking man's pitcher. He's not just going out there and overpowering people. And who are they expecting against Shohei Otani? Shohei Otani is going to get Nathan Eovaldi, uh, who's just been pitching incredibly this year. He's uh, he's having one of the better years of his career. Um, 
And, you know, from Nadia Valdi, you are going to see a plethora of pitches. You're going to see sliders and cutters and fastballs and changeups. And, I mean, he's got so many pitches. Um, the great thing about watching Uvaldi is if you don't like walks, uh, he doesn't walk anybody. He's got 90 strikeouts this year to just 19 walks. Um, he leads the staff in terms of innings pitched. He goes deep into games. Um, that's going to be the best matchup of this uh, series. And, you know, I'm obviously very excited to see um, Shohei Otani uh, pitch. You know, I, I've, I've been able to see him hit even in person. I, I got to the last uh, Red Sox Angels game um, at Fenway Park when they were here earlier in the year uh, and was able to see him hit in person. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Shohei pitch. And Shohei had a rough one last time out against the Yankees. Just wasn't himself. Yeah. Actually, start reminiscing to what we saw last year when he was walking pretty much everybody. So, waiting to see. That's just a every, every star has a bad start. Everybody has a bad outing. So, hoping that that's it. At least on our end. And for the I guess for the, for the good of baseball, see him be him him being good on the mound and on the field this year has been on our side a story that we didn't expect at all. Like the talent's always been there, couldn't stay healthy, and all of a sudden he's blowing it up. Yeah, so. To see him pitching against the Red Sox, the first place Red Sox, yeah, I'm I'm there for that. I'm, I'm all on board for that. Last game of the series on our side, Andrew Heaney, four and six five four ERA. Who do you think's on deck there? It's going to be Eduardo Rodriguez for that start, and you guys are unfortunately uh, catching Eduardo at the wrong time right now. Um, Eduardo. You know, on the surface, it looks like he's kind of struggling this year, and he has certainly struggled mightily at times. He's only he's only got a 5.42 ERA on the season. But, you know, if you look, you dig into his peripherals a little more, He that comes with 99 strikeouts, just 21 walks. Um, he is he's actually pitching really well lately. Uh, his last couple starts have been probably his best two starts of the season. So he's starting to figure it out. Um, and really when Eduardo figures it out, he is as good or, or better than Nathan Eovaldi. He's sort of the, the, uh, one, one B if Eovaldi's the one A, he's the one B on this staff, um, when he's got going right. And he definitely has it going right right now. Um, not sure if you followed it, but last year, um, he had COVID and as a result of having COVID, Eddie uh, wasn't able to pitch the entire year because he developed a weird condition or a, I'm going to say rare, rarer condition called myocarditis where his heart swelled up and uh, he wasn't able to do any physical exercise. So he's been able to uh, get over that. But I think that, you know, the the toll on his body of not athletically competing last year and recovering from that um, has, has taken him a little bit of time to adjust. So he started off the year looking really good and then had a really down month of June. Um, but so far in July, he's starting to look really like himself. So it's exciting um, to have, you know, a lefty of his caliber uh, back pitching well. And uh, he, he has looked incredible in his last couple starts. So we'll, we'll see what he has uh, going forward. What are the high points with the bullpen right now? Like, Where is this bullpen really strong? Oh, man. Um, the bullpen is strong with 
Matt Barnes, Adam Ottavino, uh, Hirokazu Samura, Josh Taylor, and Garrett Whitlock. And you could throw in some Darwins and Hernandez there, too, uh, because he's been pretty solid as well. Um, they really have truly uh, six guys they can rely on night in and night out uh, in that pen. You have to start with Matt Barnes at the back. Um, he's been maybe the best reliever in uh, the American League. Uh, so far this year, he has the best uh, strikeout minus walk rate of anybody, uh, including guys that are paid a lot of money, like Josh Hader and Liam Hendricks. Uh, he is leading the league in that category uh, right now for relievers. He's walked uh, only nine and struck out 61 guys. He's got 18 saves. Um He's thrown a lot, too, for a, a bullpen arm. He's thrown 30, 36 innings, uh, so they have relied on him quite a bit. Uh, Adam Ottavino, is, as well, has been amazing. He actually has a lower ERA even than Matt Barnes, uh, 2.57. He's incredibly tough on righties. Um, great breaking ball, but the thing that's really transformed his game lately is uh, they've the Red Sox and Christian Vasquez, the catcher, I've really convinced him to trust his fastball. So he's thrown his fastball a whole lot more uh, to a lot of effectiveness. Um, you know, going down the line, Hirokazu Sawamura, import from Japan this year, 33 years old, um, pitching to a 2.48 ERA. It's been very solid. Um, Josh Taylor, man, uh, if you're not following the Josh Taylor saga, um, this guy, he is he was basically as bad as you can be. Uh, in early season April, um, and and since then he's got like a 25 or 26 or something like that inning um, scoreless streak. He basically has not allowed a run in like two months, um, and he's a he's a fastball slider guy predominantly, a nasty slider fastball from the left side that can you know get to the mid 90s. Um, but man, no one is pitching with more confidence. Uh, than Josh Taylor at this point. He's he's my most unexpected of these bullpen guys. Um, I you just usually don't see that type of transformation mid season. Uh, and then finally Garrett Garrett Whitlock. Um, this is a name to watch for. If you have any listeners out there who play fantasy baseball, pick yourself up some cheap Garrett Whitlock while you can. But he's 25 years old. He was a Rule Five pick from the Yankees, and he's actually leading the uh, bullpen in innings pitched this year with 40 innings pitched. Um, he throws just a, a great fastball, a very heavy fastball, 97 miles an hour. Um, he's got this this crazy changeup that he throws that he learned from Matt Andrees. Um, that's a great pitch, and now he's he's got this new slider that he just debuted a couple start or a couple uh, appearances ago, and he's throwing that. It's on. It's a great pitch as well. So he he's got a full starters repertoire. And probably somebody who you could look to be stretched out next year. Uh, his ERA is 1.58 out of the bullpen. So uh, just so many weapons back there. But Whitlock is is probably, you know, the nastiest guy in terms of just pure stuff, maybe behind Barnes. So he's uh, he's really a treat to watch. So hopefully you get to see him in the series. Well, I'm kind of hoping we don't see him with that description, but... <laughs> I guess from a baseball point of view, yes, absolutely. Now, the lineup itself, this is a much different lineup than I'm used to seeing with the Red Sox. I'm used to seeing stars. And not saying there aren't stars here, but it's much more of a a, a low-key 
lineup. I don't know all the names here that I normally would. We know J.D. Martinez, we know Alex, oh, sorry, Rafael Devers, we know Alex Verdugo, but, you know, tell us more about this lineup that has been causing so many problems this year. Yeah, I mean, two through five are, are their names you recognize, Verdugo, Martinez, Bogarts, Devers. So you expect those guys to be, you know, as good as they are. Um, the number one spot, the leadoff spot, has been in flux all season long. They have not figured out um, that spot. They've been hitting all different types of people there. Uh, Kike Hernandez is the guy who they've been hitting there most often. He's actually back in that spot now. Um, he's probably been their best leadoff hitter, but that doesn't say a lot because, you know, he's betting 241 with a 313 OBP. Um, that spot's been dicey. He has hit from pow- for power from that spot, but uh, the nice thing about Kike Hernandez is that all of the stuff that was true when he was with the Dodgers, the clutch performances, being able to play all over the field, uh, being a great clubhouse guy, those have all carried over. Um to the Red Sox, so he's been important in that regard. Um, but, you know, the the unsung offensive hero of this club outside of the Big Four has definitely been Hunter Renfro, who's been batting in either the fifth or sixth spot a lot this year. Um, you know, he's been just a revelation. He has 12 home runs, gobs of power, batting 267, which is high for him. Um, and then just, you know, just playing unbelievable defense out in the outfield. So he is, uh, he's made us not miss Mookie Betts nearly as much as we thought we were going to. Um, the, the power there is very legit. I mean, I'm sure you've, you've seen Hunter Renfro home runs before. None of them are cheap. Uh, they all go about 400 plus feet. Uh, so he's been great. Um, Christian Vasquez has been solid, not spectacular this year from an offensive standpoint. But then the bottom part of the lineup's been a bit rough. Uh, in center field, it, you sometimes get Danny Santana. Sometimes you get Kike Hernandez, depending on the day. But Danny Santana has not been able to find it with the bat. Bobby Dahlbeck, the first baseman, uh, is batting in the ninth spot right now. Um, he's a right-handed bat with tons of power, but really lots of swing and miss. So he can get into one, um, but it's just there's a lot more swing and miss than you'd want. And then on the bench uh, side of things, you're going to see Michael Chavis occasionally, Marvin Gonzalez, uh, and Connor Wong right now because Kevin Ploiecki's injured. But you know none of those guys uh, have really been anything offensively. They may be able to reinstate Christian Arroyo from the IL um, in in time for this series. And Arroyo is an interesting guy who's played very good at second base and been an offensive threat. So. You know, if they get him back, it'll let, add a little bit of punch to the bottom of the lineup. But really, it's uh, you know two through two through six that have been carrying the load this year. Now, overall, this team, you know, you know, I, at first I thought this was, this was a fluke. You know, now you, when you get to midseason, you can't really call it a fluke anymore. This is a team that's twenties or a five hundred. Are they built for? The long haul this year. Are they built for a full one to two into the playoffs World Series? Is, is this team right now a World Series contender to you, or are there too many flaws in there? Yeah, I think they are. Um, I think they are a World Series contender, uh, especially because they still have some moves to make. Um, 
They have one of the top prospects in baseball, Jaron Duran, um, just tearing it up. He's on 50 home run pace, playing at AAA. Uh, he's somebody that could be inserted into the bottom of this lineup to, or maybe the top of the lineup and figure out that leadoff spot. Um, at some point later on in the year, he was playing for the Olympic team uh, during qualifying, the Olympic baseball team. Um, and notably, they did not uh, have him on the final roster uh, to to give the Red Sox the flexibility uh, to call him up at some point. So that that's still a move they can make internally. Um, they have Chris Sale. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of Chris Sale. Um, yep. <laughs> um, he is coming back uh, probably by the end of or mid mid to end of July, uh, and looks like old Chris Sale. Uh, and they're not going to mess around with him in the bullpen. It seems like they're going to put him right back into the uh, starting rotation. I mean, there there may not be a bigger addition to any team than a healthy Chris Sale uh, to the Red Sox. So, you know, that's going to help things along. I think what they could add at the trade deadline, um, they could certainly look to add another high-quality bullpen arm to make this this unit even better uh, because the last three spots in the bullpen are nothing special. Um, and I think that they could look for a, maybe a, a left-handed compliment to Bobby Dalbeck at first base or, or someone else to be a bench bat with some punch. Um, that would be what I would look for them to address at the trade deadline, uh, potentially even a starting pitcher as well, if they were interested in that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this team has the offense, the bullpen, and the starting rotation uh, to continue to make noise the rest of the way. Um, and, you know, I've I've seen them play the AL's best teams. Uh, Houston is very good, as, as you guys well know. Uh, I think they're the biggest threat to the Red Sox right now. But, um, you know, I feel better about the Red Sox than I do the Yankees or the Blue Jays or the Tampa Bay Rays or any of the teams uh, that they're battling in their own division. And we've seen it firsthand. Tampa's good. Yeah. But, you know, they don't have the resources Boston has. Uh, Toronto, I think, is a year away. I'm looking at the White Sox and the Central are are good. Uh, young, still. But there's the Astros are just the Astros. And I didn't even expect them to be as good as they have been this year. We thought, you know, coming off last year, they're, they're starting. They're down the down movement, but nope. Nope, they're just as good as they have been. So yeah, it sucks for us. You know, team division with them, <laughs> but you know that's the nature of the game. So make the call. How's the series go in your view? Um, I think the Red Sox will take two out of three. Uh, I think they'll win the uh, Eovaldi and Erod starts. Um, the the Martin Perez game. Um, a little bit of a toss up to me with with Jose Suarez. Not sure what to expect from Suarez. Um, but I think that if they were going to drop one of these games, it would probably be the first one. Uh, I think the the Evaldi Shohei one is the one that I cannot wait for. Uh, that's the one I'm really tuning in for. The Eduardo uh, Haney uh, start, though, it just feels like that one is probably the the biggest lock for the Red Sox right now because, uh, you know, as you know, Haney he just has not looked impressive this year uh, for a lot of a lot of it. Um, and Eduardo Rodriguez has just really been turning it on lately. So I think you've got two guys going in different directions there. Yeah, I think you're getting the Angels at the right time in terms of health. With um, with Upton out still and Trouty out, 
and both those guys are coming back soon. So we'll see in terms of the lineup against any one of these Red Sox pitchers. Having those two in there obviously makes things a lot better. It, there, it kind of creates the same kind of thing you were talking about, like that two through six. That's what kind of holds our lineup together right now. You add those two back in, all of a sudden it's a much more formal lineup than it already is, and, and the Angels have scored a lot of runs. <sighs> Pitching-wise, I think you got it, though. I mean, like, the Angels pitching is not standing up, especially bullpen to bullpen. Right? It's just, the Angels' bullpen is flip a coin who, you know, <laughs> yeah. except for a closer. The closers got locked down. That's where I see the real advantage overall is the bullpens, man. The Boston bullpen is locked down. The Angels' bullpen is a train wreck for the mu- for has been for much of the year. Couple nice showings recently by the Angels' bullpen, but overall it's been a train wreck. Yeah, yeah, it, it has been rough back there. Um, the Iglesias addition's been nice, but yeah, I I had a couple questions for you about the Angels. So specifically, sure. um, you know, Anthony Rendon. Uh, he has been one of my favorite hitters in baseball for a long time. Only five home runs this year, batting two thirty seven. What are you seeing from Rendon? It's going to sound harsh, and I might be one of the more harsher people on him, but I'm seeing a guy who's not living up to his contract. Mm. That's what I see. Yeah, and there's been some signs of him coming out of it, but you know, even going back to last year, wasn't healthy much of the year. This year, got hurt, and so. From the fan perspective on my end, the fan perspective on my end going, listen, is this another guy who was a star somewhere else that the Angels signed long-term, paid a bunch of money to, and isn't showing out? Kind of like how I felt about Pujols. Mm-hmm. That said, it's still early in his contract. It's still, he's still in the lineup for a reason. The And it may just be a matter of time. He showed him flashes. He had a nice night there at night uh, against, against the Orioles, but then again, everybody has a nice night against the Orioles. <laughs> so, I'm waiting to see what he does. He just doesn't seem, he doesn't seem set. He doesn't seem like he's comfortable where he is, but yet he's been in an Angel uniform for almost, you know, for almost two years now. This is his second season of the team. Yeah. At this point, you should be comfortable. And, you know, I was thrilled when the team signed him. Uh, to give Mike Trout finally some protection in the lineup, I was thrilled. But he just has not, in my view, worked out thus far. And again, I'll probably be harsher on him than many people will. But at some point, you have to produce. This team, this Angels team is a 500 right now. They wouldn't, if just a couple things went their way, they are competing at the very least for the wild card, if not more. Just a couple things. They're on the cusp. That's what's most frustrating. If the bullpen just was decent, if the starting pitching was decent outside of Shoya Otani, this is the the Angels have the lineup alone. Added Rendon performing at what he can do. This is a team that competes with Houston. So it's it's frustrating to watch because you know you know the abilities there. Even the bullpen, like Paramanazzi went out there and, and got guys for the bullpen who have been solid elsewhere and they just have not put together here. Yeah. And that yeah. so a forty one or forty one team could easily be a 
in the mix here in September. This, the, the Angels' schedule softens up quite a bit. They, they really face the hardest part, in my view, in the first part of the year. Well, still time to make a run. It's still a, a division where you can make some headway. Uh, so, especially if they're getting Trout back. Um, but what's it been like to watch Otani this year? I mean, I, from an outsider's perspective, I think he's the most interesting player in all of baseball, and I think he pretty much has the AL MVP already locked up. What's your perspective on getting to watch that guy every day? It's been fun. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when I've been a I've been an Otani pessimist, mostly not because of his ability, but because of he just couldn't stay healthy. Right, and, I, and every time I, I think of that, knock on wood. Um, but he came in this year, he was bigger. Like, he obviously had been in the gym. He had been working hard at um, filling out his physique. And some of that, of course, comes with age. He's, you know, people forget how young he was when the Angels got him over here. Um, but also part of it was the work ethic. And one thing I like about Tawny, and Jay Paris talked about this in his book about him, and that was his work ethic is really top-notch. Like, this guy puts in the time that other people don't put in. And when you see that come to fruition, you can't I mean, you can't help but be proud of the guy and also be happy that he he's surpassed expectations. And like that's what he's done. Like We all knew he was good. We yeah. knew he could be very good. We didn't know he could be this good. Like, we yeah, didn't know... Babe Ruth. <laughs> well... His power, like when when he hits one out, it's not. It's usually not just hey, just kind of just barely gets over the fence. Like he's destroying the baseball when he puts contact on it. Uh, Otani is, you know, these are showstopper home runs. These are and his speed too. The other night, winning that game against the Orioles, he that was that was a shallow single. He really had no business. <laughs> Any normal player is not running in third and going home. And <laughs> he could be, you know, if that was his game, if that's what the Angels wanted, he could be a 30, 40 solo base guy. Easy. He's that yeah. fast. So he's a pure athlete. His pitching, uh, to me, to come back off Tommy John and be throwing 99 miles an hour is bananas to me. So it's been a treat to watch. If he keeps this up, the conversation won't be as much about Mike Trout. It'll be Shohei Otani. And that's what he's right now because Trout's been hurt. But for years now, you know, we've seen a slight downward trend for Mike Trout, mostly because he's been getting hurt almost every year in the last couple of years. Like, he's not staying healthy. And we knew that we needed the emergence of somebody else to kind of support him. That's why I was so excited about Rondon. And here's Otani. Who may at least is a hitter, add as a pitcher. He's he's the MVP right now. He's the MVP. Try anybody try to make an argument otherwise. Honestly, I wouldn't. How yeah, can you? I, I don't. I don't. I don't think you can because this is something we haven't seen in a hundred years. I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm happy for him. The guy works his tail off. He's he's reaping what he sows here. Yeah. Is he uh, is he the best player on the team now? Or is that does that crown still belong to Mike Trout? If you're talking a full season, it's hard to argue Trout, but he hasn't been he hasn't he hasn't played much of the year, right? So 
right now, as we speak, yeah, he's the best part of the team. It's imagine how to think that. Imagine how good this Angels team could be if you had a healthy Otani, Trout, and Rodon. Oof. I mean, that's division leader right there, I think. Yeah. You have all those guys clicking at the same time. So, very exciting individual players on that team, for sure. Get them together. Get support around them. This is a team. So, you know, next year, I'm, I'm watching the Angels. I think next year, they're kind of putting things together this year. I think next year is their year to finally kind of break through. Um, and really give Houston run for their money. But they got a couple of things, couple of things you need to fix. And then, then they're there. Yeah. All right. So, Jake... I want to thank you so much for, for making the time for us. Can you let people know where they can find your work? Yeah, you can find uh, my writing in my podcasts over at overthemonster.com. Uh, it's part of SB Nation, so check that out. Um, and then you can also follow me on Twitter. You can follow me at, at @depjake, where I talk about Red Sox stuff and uh, also fantasy baseball. I have a, a couple fantasy baseball podcasts uh, over at Fantrax HQ the five tool fantasy baseball podcast. And then over at the dynasty guru, uh, the dynasty's child podcast as well. So subscribe to those. If you're into fantasy, appreciate that. All right, man. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Derek. Here's the thing. A, the Red Sox usually give the angels all kinds of problems. I mean, Traditionally, matchups don't work well for the Angels against the Red Sox. On occasion, they will get the upper hand, but I mean, the Red Sox, the Red Sox for a reason. And I, I don't see any reason to think the Angels will win this series, given the fact that the pitching matchups, I, there's just too many question marks there. The, the, the big X factor right now is the bullpen. The bullpen is a major question mark. That said, the Angels' bullpen didn't, it wasn't too bad this series. And, and some guys do seem to be kind of settling in. But can the pitchers get there? And can this lineup produce against a Red Sox starting pitching staff that has it's got some issues? They've come out at the right time. Jake mentions that. These guys have kind of peaked at the right time. But there's nobody in this pitching lineup right now that will outright dominate you. So they have a shot. They have a shot. And we're hoping, I guess, that the Red Sox coming off a tough series with the A's will be a little bit lackluster. We'll find out. You know, the Angels, they have a lot to prove. They have a lot to prove. At 42 and 41, they have a lot of opportunities in the schedule coming up in July and August to make a move. And they just need to get some things in order. The first thing you got to prove, though, is can you beat the teams that are contenders? You can't beat up on all the mediocre to, to awful teams and think you'll be there at the end. It's all about making the playoffs right now for the Angels. They have to win some of these series. They can't go home, stay home this weekend. They can't get blown out of the park. They, they just can't. It won't work. So, again, nice having Jake on again. Always a good interview. Thanks so much for spending time with us today. We'll be a great July 4th. The land of the free home of the brave. We'll see you soon. Have a great one. We're out of here.